Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. It has returned. The podcast is back. Um, what a great holiday. Um, I hope you had a good one. Hope you had a good one. Where I am, uh, it's time to get back to work. But wherever you are, I hope you had a great holiday. Uh, I'm recording this on the 7th of January in uh, 2024. So, my year starts tomorrow, 8th of January. I get back to work officially. Uh, you, you know what I realize is I'm not a good relaxer. I'm just not. Like, I have to I have to keep myself busy. And I've said it before, like, I'm a workaholic, you know. And I work for myself. So it's also, hey, passion doesn't pay the bills. You know what I mean? So, but, but I do like working. And I come from, and hey, listen, I've been thinking about it a lot. We, we are a product of our parents, right? And most people just live out and complete archetypes, even though they don't admit it. Like my dad is a workaholic. Uh, my mom works hard. She's probably more into the balance. But the way I live my life, I, like I don't have kids. I don't have a wife or whatever, you know, is I'm, I'm not really interested in anything else. Now, some people may go, oh, what a sad life. But like, I'm not really interested in anything other other than my work and my family. Like me, my mom, my sister, and work, you know. And I, I love working out. So I, I like, in particular, running. But, you know, I, I don't really enjoy anything else. Uh, I'm not like, oh, I need to go and try out the latest restaurant. Like, I'm not into that. So I missed work. I missed doing this, and I can't wait to get back to work tomorrow. Now, a lot of people, so it's 2024, people say, you, you need a bit more in life. You just, you know, you've got to be a whole person. Like, nah, I, I love what I do. I love my work. I, I don't wake up ever going, oh, oh my goodness. And no job's perfect. Right? Also, like, this isn't the movies. You don't get to say cut, and you, you just miss out the ones where you've messed up or a client doesn't pay an invoice or whatever, you know, or your bosses pay your salaries late or you're fighting with a work colleague. Like none of us are special. None of us are immune, but, but I've got a pretty, I've got to be honest. I get to talk sport for a living. I I did think about it this December a little bit, you know, I've got about as good as it gets for somebody who, who works, you know, because I don't know if every accountant loves the thought of building business models and balancing the books. Like, I, I don't know if that fires people up, but my industry's culture, it's football, it's fashion, it's, you, you know, it's all of the things that people are talking about that are fun. Like sport is a celebration. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being an accountant. We need accountants. Um, 
but I can't speak for them. I can only speak for myself. I love my job and I just love working. It's the, it's the only thing. Like I tell everyone, if I ever meet, when I meet romantic partners or potential romantic partners or friends or whatever, like I just love my work I, and I love working. Uh, I, I'm not into work-life balance because I also want to be, I genuinely, I want to be one of the best in the world in 10, 15 years time. I, I, I don't like work-life balance. That's cool. That's for some people. I want to. I want to work at the top. You know. I. I want in ten, fifteen years time, twenty years time, whenever I hang it all up, I want people to go, "Oh wow, he left his mark in whatever he's doing." So I'm not really into doing other stuff. Like I'm working. What are you doing on Sunday? I'm working. What are you doing on Tuesday? I'm working. What do you mean? What am I doing? And you go, you, you must enjoy brunch with the people. Like, that's not me. I ain't doing it. Not that guy. And listen, I was talking to someone about it um, over the weekend. I come from a family that's very much that way. And, and everyone thinks they're perfect. None of us are perfect. I love that people can have a family and a career and whatever. And none of it's easy, right? Like, good for you. I love work. Leave me alone. I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm working here. I'm working here. I'm working. If you know that reference, it's, it's not actually what he says, but if you know the reference of that movie, you're a legend. You are a legend. So I can't wait to get back to work. I hope you feel the same. And if you don't, listen, we've got to bring home the dough. Uh, this is also not, I'm, I'm not some Instagram yoga inspire, inspirational person. Like people have to work. Just go to work. And also, like middle class people and above. Like, you're working now. Go to work. Stop whinging. Go to work. You, you're not special, by the way. People have worked before you. <laughs> you know, everyone's, everyone's having... It, it is the greatest time ever to be alive because never in the history of mankind have people been able to take a six-month sabbatical just to consider whether this is what they want to do to fulfill themselves. Uh, no, not financially, but as a human being. Is this what I... Like, go to work. I'm big on that. I'm big on that. Again, I am biased. I was raised by two working class people, in particular watching my father. Children wa learn by watching. That's very clear. The neuroscience and the uh, psychiatry is very clear. Right? Children don't learn from words. They learn from watching. I watched my dad work 20 hours a day. What felt like every day. You know, you, you don't remember every day of your childhood or some people do, but it just felt like my dad was always working. You know, he the only time I saw my dad off was like if we're going to funerals or whatever, but like 20 hours a day and working, just like smashing it. So it's what I enjoy. It's what I'm doing. Now, I'm not a chemical engineer, so my job's not that. It's not that hard. By the way, if I die tomorrow, no one cares. I'm just a guy who talks about sport. But I hope you can somehow find the most joy you can in whatever you're doing in 2024. Moving forward. So I hope you had a great uh, holiday. I went and saw some family. I went. So my mom is from Limpopo. And if you're Zulu, it's not Limpopo. Stop saying that. Stop saying Limpopo. I don't know where you're getting the extra Mpo from. It's Limpopo. That's it. It felt like a number where, as the babies would say. Um, but I had, I had a great holiday. So my sister lives in Paris. She's flown back. She's around for a while. Me, my mom, my cousins. Had a phenomenal 
Listen, 2023, I said it on the last podcast, was the best year of existence for me. Like, just as a human being, I had the best year being alive. Professionally, but personally. More, listen, best professional year of my life for sure. But more even personal, I just had an amazing year. It's the most consistent human year of my life, just intrinsically and getting closer to the man I want to be. And I hope I can say that every year moving forward. Like there's no reason now, unless I suffer like heartbreak, you know, like a friend of mine just suffered heartbreak recently. He's on a bit of, he's on a bit of a revenge tour, but maybe that's for a different podcast. Um, good luck to him. And he's doing it. He, he is on a revenge tour. <laughs> listen, ladies, you, you know, you, you, <laughs> Sometimes I feel like ladies don't understand the power they have, you know. So, I mean, I can I can quickly tell you the story. So he was with this lady; they were engaged, <laughs> and <laughs> so I shouldn't laugh. I mean, he's a, he's an old friend, but he was with this girl, right? And they were engaged, and. <laughs> The reason I'm laughing is about a year ago, we ran into him, myself and a few a few other friends, and in particular, one guy who's very close to him. You know, like we all know him and we're all close to him. But in particular, this one person is super close to him. And we ran into him at this restaurant. And I, look, I don't know how to explain it better. I, like, I can't explain it better than th- this way. And race has to come into it because when we left, it was funny. We were laughing. So so it was myself. This guy is also black, the guy who's who knows him the best of all of us, and they're, they're very close. And then it was a couple of the brasses. So it was myself, a colored guy. In fact, two colored guys, because the colored guy had his cousin there. So he's a friend. So, and the way we the way we were, it's just like a bunch of single guys. We're leaving now, you know? So it's the mandem. Like, and this was like maybe a year ago, maybe a bit more. And so <laughs> he's he's sitting there and it's like unless you're South African, it's very difficult to explain this. But he's sitting there and there's different versions of white people in South Africa, right? There's like those that are in the mix, and then there's the whitest white version there is. Like I just can't explain it. And if you know, you know. So his fiance is like like lily white you know but he's a black guy this guy so he's the only black guy at the table like cool like whatever yeah whatever we're all progressive people that's not the point but in this particular case because now it's us it's the mandem you know we like we're rolling out we're like hey bro what's going on so he gives us that wave you know you know like hey gents but but it's clear like he's not even turning his body language to us it's like, we've been to music festivals around the world together. Like, come on, dog. But I've always had the sense that his fiance at the time wasn't really feeling the gents, you know? Because some of the lads are, they're, they're cooking. They're, they're, having a, they're having a laugh. They're having a good one. Guys are going around the world to music festivals 15 years into friendship and still being the, the man of the match at music festivals in our mid thirties, late thirties. So, so he, he just like gave us that vibe. And then he went away for a bit. Like he, he's been, he's been working incredibly hard and he's got a massive promotion at work. And then 
when I got back from France, uh, I was a pundit for the World Cup final. Uh, I was wearing uh, an Italian tailored suit. No big deal. Uh, in fact, nobody asks about the shirt. That's Mauritian 100% cotton. When I got back from France, I, so I saw the gent again. In fact, the very week I went out. So I'm like, okay. And even before I went to France, by the way, like in winter, like I'm seeing this guy's getting active in public, you know, like, okay, is this man back on the scene? So look, I'm also, I've been in a big work mode in 2023. So I wasn't really in touch with the lads in that sense. And I didn't think it the right to ask, like, cool, whatever, man's back on the scene. So then I ask, like a friend of mine in the circle, I'm like, what's cutting with this guy? Man's on the scene. I'm seeing every time we're going out, he's going ham. And like, I, I leave when the sun's, my friends know, I, I like to leave uh, while the sun's up. Anyway, turns out, the the fiancé cheated on him. And the dude's wanna, been on like a revenge tour since June 2023. You know, just like heartbreak will, it'll, it'll, it'll restore factory settings. Let, let me tell you that. So ladies, what you got to realize, hey? I, I don't know how ladies respond to heartbreak. But he, he's gone on a revenge tour. So he's somewhere between I hate women and I just want to try and hook up with all the women in the world at the moment. I'm not going to judge that, by the way. Because I've never been heartbroken. So <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. My point was, hopefully for the rest of my life, unless I get heartbreak. Because I'm currently going through my friend's heartbreak watching it. Through the window. Yeah. So ladies... Please, here's the thing, ladies. I'm not saying don't break our hearts because people break each other's hearts. I'm just saying be aware that you're affecting other ladies because generally guys go on revenge tours. And then, I don't know if he hates women now, but he's, he's certainly on a revenge tour. So hopefully I don't have that so that I can say for the rest of my life every year, this was the best year of my life. You know, just keep compounding on 2023 was the point of that. But shout out to my guy, who's a, he's a whirling Derbyshire right now. He is a whirling Derbyshire right now. Hey, heartbreak. What do they say? Um, Jolo is not for everyone, guys. It's not, a, it's not a picnic in there. Nothing, oh, heartbreak's a bad one. Heartbreak's a bad one. I mean, I had, a, I had two mates. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, they, they both... One had to make a decision with a girl he's been with for 12 years. And he had to break up with her before they went on holiday. Because he goes on holiday either with his family or or, the, or down to the, her family. They went on holiday to his house um, the first half of December. And then he came back to Johannesburg, broke up with her. This is 12 years, by the way. That's three Olympics. Um and yeah, so that's unraveling at the moment with a mate of mine. That's unraveling. Like, that's going to be, oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And then another friend of mine, he just broke up with his girlfriend of, it's more than five years, either five or six years. So, and, and both cut up, but, uh, but in particular that first mate. So there's three different breakups that I'm a part of just watching. But ladies, a heartbreak, not fun for dudes. Don't, don't let them lie to you. Not fun. Manifests a little differently. Ladies, how do you deal with a heartbreak? Slide in the DMs. MKT inspires.
I, I'm only, it only came up because I'm living it and I don't want it for myself. I feel like it's inevitable though. Huh? Divorce rate, I think, is up to 60% globally. At this rate, I mean, I'm happy for everyone who's married. Let's be clear. I, I, I believe in that, but 6 out of 10. And, and that's just if you get married. That's if you make it to marriage. God just, God just broke up with his 12, his fiance of 12 years they were in a relationship. 12 years! That's your whole schooling endeavor, by the way. That is your entire scholastic from primary to high school. It is your entire scholastic tenure. 12 years. Said, nah. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is. He gives me a call about it. Like, we're we very close. I, I, I'm actually probably closer with his mum. By the way, this is how close we are. I'm closer with his mum than I am with him. That's how long I've known this guy. Gives me a call. Says, yeah, MK. Calls me MK. Bro, do you have time? I'm like, oh my goodness. Usually this guy... I can't use the words in public that he normally greets me with. But he says, MK. Do you have time? I thought, oh no, what's going on here? And I thought he was like quitting his job or he needed money. Although he comes from money. So, and he's a very, he's one of the most responsible people I know. But my mind just went there like, oh no, is it drugs? You know, like whatever. Turns out, MK, just got back, bro. I'm like, oh my goodness, to where? Job. Okay, cool. You live here. Don't know why you're telling me that. Ended up being like a three-hour phone call. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm on holiday as well. No, I didn't. I didn't think that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I I personally had a good holiday, but people are getting heartbroken. Hopefully, I don't have it. Hope you had a good holiday. Hope you didn't have heartbreak. As you listen to this, if you did have heartbreak, well, I know three people. So, in the words of Michael Jackson, you are not alone. So, I don't know if that makes you feel better, by the way. Probably doesn't. It's like, oh, I came here to listen to football opinions. Now the guy's reminding me of the bastard who just broke up with me. Sorry, ladies. Sorry, guy. It's going to happen. Would love to know how people deal with heartbreak. Have you been heartbroken? Tell me your heartbreak story. If you, I'm happy to share it or I just want to read it. Because what can I do to avoid heartbreak? Is it possible to avoid? Can you know? That's the thing. Can you know? Oh, my God. I, have I got another? Oh, my goodness. I think I should do another podcast. <laughs> oh, my word. I've just thought about a story my cousin was telling me about his heartbreak. Oh, my goodness. It's one of the most ridiculous stories I've ever heard in my life. It, it sounded like a Generations, uh, generations very famous um, soapy, by the way, in, in South Africa, if you're not South African. When he told me, I thought he was making it up. Because I like I haven't seen my cousin for a while. Like I don't I don't really go to Limpopo that often, uh, which is not good. But whatever, separate story. I went, saw my cousin. We we close, and then he told me the story of what happened with this. So I'm like, bro, where's the girlfriend? Like, cool, work's going well. You're starting to smash it, you know. Like, what's happening? Turns out, and then the oak tells me his heartbreak as to why he's just staying away from women. I'm like, oh. My goodness. That one, I have to tell the full story. And in fact, it was so incredible. I haven't heard the end of the story. And 
I could just tell you what I know up until now. And you would go, you're lying. It's impossible what you're saying. So yeah, sorry, that's a fourth. So I've got four heartbreak stories. Although my cousin's one is from a while ago. Anyway, um, sports show here. Going to talk some test cricket. I mean, Proteus, are you kidding me? Going to talk about Newcastle. Like, what are we doing with Eddie Howe? I know, I know I'm droning on about it, but it actually pisses me off what they're doing. Like Amanda Staveley, she looks like she looks like a Bond villain. Just get it done. Like Bond villains usually just get things done. Like what are we doing? I want to talk about that quickly. And then got two questions in the mailbag, uh, cricket related, and we'll get out of here on that front. Um, 2024, big year for me. Uh, big year for, for, I will start using the word us more and more in 2024 um i'm really really excited um again last show i said thank you to everyone from tomorrow the conversation starts to go as to what's going to happen in 2024 but it's a big year um i would say look out for this show but please do go and subscribe to the youtube channel uh you can expect to see us there more and more in the first quarter of the year not sure of dates yet still working things out Uh, people are are away uh, we're in conversation there, but English Premier League, Euros, and Olympics. I would say look out in and around those spaces. Um, I'm hoping to do a bit more um, regarding other stuff. And then if you are South African, I'm excited to finally be allowed to be involved in, I think, the best, most professional sport in South Africa. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to reveal more because we are still signing deals, but I'm excited to be involved with the people who run the most, what I've always argued to be the most professional sport in South Africa. And it's not, I say professional, the people who play it aren't professional, but I'm finally going to get a chance to be in the mix with my favorite South African sport, like the best South African sport. If you know, you know. So I can't wait to to be able to say more details. But 2024, EPL, Euros, Olympics, that's massive for this show that I'm looking forward to. So this year is a massive sports year, by the way. AFCON, if you're that way inclined. Um, IPL, if you're that way inclined. But for me, EPL, Euros, and then Olympics. Like, what a year if you're a sports fan. What a year if you're a sports fan. I cannot, I cannot tell you how excited. This is going to be my best year professionally. By the way, I've already billed for 2024 more than I've ever billed in my life. So already, just from a billing standpoint, I've already billed for 2024 now, and it's barely. I haven't even I haven't even put a microphone down, but I've billed more than I've ever billed in my life. So it's already the best working year of my life, and that's because of everyone who listens. Because by the way, this is how I make my money, right? This is how I go and show people what I'm doing is. Again, the last episode was 6,200 people. So I'm getting 6,000 people listening to this. Trust me, nobody who talks just about sport in South Africa gets 6,000 people listening. I, I, I know everyone who does sport. I know everyone. I was the first, and I'm happy to say this, I was the first person in South Africa, I would argue even Africa, to do a purely sport-centric podcast daily. Right, when we started the MKT show, I was the first person, I, I don't want to say, I would say probably 
in African history to do a purely two-hour sports show daily that was podcast, that was digital. We were the, I'm the only person I've ever seen who, who did that. A fully produced two-hour show, shout out to our day ones, you know, MKT show, started on YouTube. We were the first. I, I don't know anyone else in Africa who's ever done purely digital, two hours a day. And I don't mean they part of a radio station and they just have a camera that looks like someone's shooting from space. I mean a properly produced two-hour a day show, right? So, so I'm quite proud of that. Because I see a lot of people in Africa now trying to copy that. And in South Africa in particular. And I can see people that have copied what we did. Because they've got money uh, from big establishments. I, I, I don't get upset about that. I'm not the kind of... I'm like, oh, cool. We were, I was first. And I'm, I'm, I feel very comfortable saying that. I would be super happy to see anyone else in Africa who's done that. I, I don't know of anyone. But when we took a hiatus and I came back the support that's happened has meant I can now take my numbers because trust me, the sponsors know as well. They, 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 there's very few people with money. There's betting companies, there's alcohol companies, and there's really four agencies um, and the cell phone companies in Africa who have money to pay. Right? Everyone else doesn't really know what's happening. And they don't, like the banking sector, um, they don't spend money in the digital world. They, they've got their own focuses and and they largely work with super sport right or, or multi-choice or, or sabc they're like that's all they care about which I, I i get it but i can take and this is what happened i took my numbers and i show the people that know digital the very few people who know digital in africa and it's opened up incredible opportunities so 2024 thank you very much i can't say it enough can't say it enough and now I really want to dial it in and give people value. So that is 2024 is the year of value, but it's going to be the best year because I'm going to get to be at, at the events that I've wanted. And it's it's really, really like, I'm not really an emotional person, you know, because I come like, my dad is not like big on words, like legacy and stuff like that. It's like, just get on with it. And I've just been getting on with it for nine years and I've I've basically done it for free, you know? I'll be honest, I've basically done it for free um, outside of the VW sponsorship we had. But I've, I've, I've self-funded for nine years and it's paying off. It's because people listen and I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I don't want to be above the fray, which I can be. I've, I've got a little bit of above the fray, but without people listening, without you listening to the show and listening through and giving feedback, but, but listening then I don't get to do what I'm going to get to do this year. This year is going to be insane. And my number one priority that I wrote down, so I wrote down my goals in November, first week of November, and I work on those, was I didn't realize that the opportunities would be as big as they are. But my number one priority for this year is to give every single listener of the show as much value for their time as I can. Like, I, I want to make that clear. That, that That's a commitment I want to make to myself. Like, Okay, people are, are you telling me 6,000 people are going to listen to this? Okay, great. I want from 2024 for you to go, oh, what a valuable use of my time. Because people are, you're like, you're all busy. You're working. You, you've got a boyfriend. You've got a household to run. You've got, you, you know, you're trying to figure out, you may be in your early 20s. You're trying to figure out a career. You're trying to figure out your evolving 
relationship with your parents. You, you like stuff's happening, you know. And I want to be a place you can come for two hours, an hour, daily. So I can finally say it. We will be daily at some stage soon. Before, let, let me make a commitment. Before the end of, before March. So before the end of February will be daily. I can commit to that. I, I, and I will commit to that. We will be daily. We'll be visual. We'll be on YouTube. And we'll be on YouTube and the podcast. Dot, dot, dot. TB, TBC. Um, conversations ongoing for other platforms. Uh, but definitely back on YouTube. Definitely the podcast, obviously. And that will be daily. I will tell you how long as the conversations unfold. But thank you. Thank you very much. EPL Euros Olympics. I just want to repeat, that is where the focus is for the MKT show this year. Stay tuned for more. Stay tuned for more. MKT Inspires, if you want to get into the uh, DMs, um, the MKT show on YouTube, please do subscribe and look out for content coming out there. MKT at the mktshow.com. MKT, that's Mike Kilo Tango. MKT at the mktshow.com. If you'd like to send an electronic mail. All right, let's get into the disaster that was the cricket. Um, South African India drew a 1-1 quote-unquote test series. Two tests in a series. The second test was the shortest test ever. 642 deliveries. That's 107 overs for four innings. 23 wickets fell on that first day. South Africa were 55 all out, which is the lowest versus India ever as a total. Ever. For a team playing India in a test match. It's SA's worst total since 1932. That's 55. India lost six wickets in 11 balls for no runs. That's never happened in test cricket before. Six ducks in India's first innings. The match was over in less than two days. And that is to say this. Nothing about this series felt serious. From a year out. I said it. If you listen to the podcast. I've said it for how long now? A two-match series is not a test series. If you're not playing five-match test series, it's not a series. I said it when I was watching the Ashes. How long ago is the Ashes? Six months ago? Unless you're playing five matches to allow for the ebb and the flow, for, for momentum to swing, for people to adjust to the conditions... Adjust to being away from their families. These are human beings. India's test team arrived a week before the first test match at the Wanderers. Guys, there couldn't be a more different cultural setting than South African India, having been to both countries. And then just the playing conditions could not be more different. They just couldn't. India's, the A team, I mean the real team, arrived a week before the first test match. No tour matches to adjust to the SA pitches, to adjust to the weather, to adjust to the, to the it, there may be different dietary requirements, logistics, a lot of youngsters, a lot of new people adjusting to South Africa. South Africa is a very, 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 very different country. The topography of South Africa is very different from India. Two-match series is an absolute joke. 
It's an absolute, it's despicable that the ICC and the BCCI and Cricket South Africa think that we, we should put that on. And it's not a piss take of the consumer. But then I looked at the teams. I want to say what disgusts me the most. I, 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 I'm so disgusted because of all the formats, Test Cricket is the specialist one. That's where you need specialists. Because Test Cricket is purely about technique and mentality. It's not about anything else. Are you willing to suffer the longest and are you willing to are you willing to grind the other team down? So that's mental and that's technical. If you're a batsman, are you willing to like play the first 90 balls of an innings out of your comfort zone against world-class bowling? Do do you understand that how to construct a test innings? Because that's something that, especially now in T20 cricket, most people who are getting into cricket now don't understand that you actually have to construct an innings. And you'll often hear cricket commentators saying, going through the gears. Right? But in order to construct a test innings, for those who don't know, is there's multiple ways to do it. So I'll use examples from back in our day. So there's Matthew Hayden, who technically was sublime, but he, he would impose himself on the bowling. And then he'd have Justin Lang at the other end who'd just grind things down. So you had Gary Kirsten who would just grind you down. Like, he's going to bat as long as possible. Jacques Cullis, he's going to bat as long as possible. Ricky Ponting is going to survive the first 40 balls, right? He's just going to, in cricket, they call it getting your eye in. But in all of this, by the way, and, and this is where cricket's a little idiosyncratic, which is why I don't think it'll ever become mainstream, is that there is a way to defend as well. So even when you're defending and building an innings, there is... You've got to run well between the wickets. Uh, they call it rotating the strike. That's part of putting pressure on the bowling. Even if the bowling's good, the way you defend... So you could see Ricky Ponting, he was famous for this massive lunge forward. But he always felt like, even though he was defending, he was coming at you. Steve Waugh felt like... And he would Steve Waugh would, would be defensive, but he would stare you down. And he would walk down the wicket. So there's, there, there are elements of test cricket where it's like, it's a warlike mentality. It's strategic, right? And the bowler is trying to uh, set you up. So in test cricket, some people are going to spend three, four overs bowling and away swinger, bowling and away swinger, bowling and away swinger, and then they bowl an in swinger and you're playing for the way swing and they bowl you or vice versa, in, in, and then they set you up for maybe a bouncer, Um a, a, a bounce for those who don't know is when the ball is short and it's like it's aimed at your helmet, ideally. And they may set you up for that by bowling three overs full, which is close to you, and then bowl your bouncer three overs later. Th this is the level of strategy that goes into test cricket. Right? So as a batsman, you've got to you've got to have the whole setup. You can't be getting to test cricket and still preparing, oh, he doesn't have the mental side. You know, what happens when you miss six deliveries? Because at test level, that's completely possible. Sachin Tendulkar used to miss six deliveries on a swinging pitch. Right? And there's another level. I'm seeing a lot more edges in test cricket. They, that's technical deficiency. So, so in test cricket, and the top, top, top guys 
you'll always wonder, why don't top guys nick everything? So there is also a technique of not following the ball. You call it, don't follow the ball with your hands. Play the line, right? And play that line. And you'll see the very, very top guys, the very greatest of the greatest. It's no wonder Steve Smith never goes out, right? He very rarely goes out, caught behind. Brian Lara, these guys that were iconic, is because when the ball is swinging, right, they will play the line and hold that line. They will not follow the ball, right? So once the ball moves, they're not following the ball with their hands. They are playing the line and playing through that line. And if the ball moves, so be it. And if they get a beauty, so be it. Like uh, they call it a jaffa. If you if you get a beauty in cricket and you get a worldie, and they call it having your name on it, that's fine. But don't get yourself out. Don't follow the ball. Don't do that. And what disgusted me most was Dzorzi, Stubbs, and Varen shouldn't be anywhere near. A, they shouldn't be playing for Bangladesh. It's not about talent. Test cricket is... The, talent is for ODI and, and T20 cricket. Dzorzi, Stubbs and Varane are not test cricketers. Because their games are still developing. You shouldn't be developing people at the test level. I'm sorry. This is not the academy. This isn't first class cricket. If you haven't made 6,000 first class runs, you shouldn't be in a test match team. Not in South Africa anyway. Bangladesh, maybe, Netherlands, maybe, I mean, they're into, like, West Indies, like, whatever. Of the big four, right, and, and we're seeing it across, the, across the, the board. If you haven't made, when I say first class, I mean four-day cricket. If you haven't made 6,000 tests around, I don't want you batting my top six. I do not want you batting my top six. You are not ready across the board, mentally, technically, you just aren't, you're too raw. The bowling's too good. It's just too good. You know, I remember reading a study that the difference between a first-class bowler and a test bowler is that first-class bowlers will bowl, uh, on average, two deliveries and over that could get you out. Right? At test level, they're bowling four deliveries and over that can get you out. That's the difference. And it's 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 embarrassing to have Dzorzi, Stubbs, and Varane. And it's not it's not that they're not good enough to be in international cricket; they are not good enough to play this version of the sport. Because this isn't muck about, right? This isn't give it a give it a dash, and if it comes off, like here you get exposed. You get exposed if you aren't technically good enough. Like Dzorzi is nowhere near it. What he's doing in a top three test lineup is it's embarrassing. Like, technically, he looks embarrassing. He looks embarrassing. They they didn't even bamboozle him. They made him look like a child. He's nowhere near it. Stubbs is in the wrong format. And why is Markram opening? We made this mistake with A.B. de Villiers. Markram is clearly our best player. Guys, your best player has to bat four. Where did Tinduka bat? Where did Lara bat? Eventually, where did Cullis bat? We had to wait for Hash Mamla to bat three eventually. Although it was a big mistake for Kallis to bat that long at three. Your best player bats at four. Guys, you know why that is? Because you've got to protect your best player. The first three guys are to see the shine off the ball. You want your fourth 
guy to be batting at the best time. And that should be when the ball is 60 overs old and the bowlers are coming back for a third spell. That's when you want Ricky Ponting in, right? That's when you want Brian Lara in. That's when you want Sachin Tendulkar in. That's when you want Virat Kohli in. Raul Javid would come in at three. They called him the wall. By the time Sachin's coming in, bowlers are coming into their second, they're, on the, they're in the tail of their second, or coming to their third spell. And I'm not saying Sachin Tendulkar is a legend, but it's much, much easier to be six hours into a day and then you come in and you do your thing. It's not that complicated. Why is Markram opening? Nothing about this feels serious. Test cricket of all the formats needs specialists. Dzorzi, Stubbs, Varan are not test cricketers. Sorry. There's nothing about them right now. And of all the formats, it's the one where you've got to earn it. It's the one where you've got to earn it. Listen, everything about this series felt like a filler before SA20. And I've got no problem with that. What I don't like is the BS. The ICC has to just admit to all of us. T20 cricket is the only vision that matters. That's fine. Just tell us that. Like, we can live with that. What do you think? We're babies. Just tell us that. Because, as my father always said, it's always about the money. You ever heard someone come to you and say, oh, you, you know what? It's not about the money. As soon as somebody says that, let me tell you something. Stop them next time. Say, hey, hey, it's always about the money. Always. Just say it. Why can't the ICC? It's like, what do they think? They go, We're going to go on a revenge tour like my friend who, who got heartbroken by his cheating fiance. Like, if you just tell us that, let me tell you something. When you're honest with people, right, they may be upset at the truth up front. But after a little bit, grown-ups go, you know what? At least he said it to my face and I didn't have to find out from someone else. How often has that happened to you? Where somebody tells you an uncomfortable truth, and at that time it hits your ego, it hits your feelings, you calm down and you're an adult uh, two, three weeks later, and you go, you know what, fair is fair. This person said it to my face. I didn't have to go and find out from so-and-so. I didn't have to go to marketing and find out from them. My boss just told me that my work wasn't good enough, or I'm going to get sacked, or I'm not getting my bonuses here, whatever it may be. My my partner, you know, whatever. They may not like your sister or brother, and they're not, whatever it may be, they don't like the way you do something. You know, it's not causing tension in your relationship. They're communicating. How often has that happened? The ICC must just tell us, T20 is all that matters. That's fine. That's fine. Like, I would be so much more comfortable than this charade of people pitching up in South Africa a week before a test match, coming straight out of a one-day World Cup with no preparation, and then try and act shocked to that test matches Last as long. The Ashes series is the only series I'm interested in. I'm sorry, Test Cricket in India is just, it's a no-go for me. It used to be fun and a challenge when everybody played enough Test Cricket, but so that by the time you get to India, you're playing four or five touring matches. But nobody does that anymore. So you can't win in India because they docked to the pitches. And now I heard, I heard them saying, oh, but Newlands, I don't want to hear anybody complaining about that. I'm like... Bro, it happens in India all the time. Like two, like spinning decks on day one where it's doctored 
it's all the time. It's happening in Cape Town for like maybe the first time in my adult life. Come on, dude. Like it's, it's not the same. It's not like for like with India. What I don't want to hear is people like, like we must still complain about pitches in India. But fine. But nobody's going to go there. Like England are going there soon, right? They're not going to have any. They're going to have maybe what? Two, two tour matches. You need like four or five tour matches. You've got to adjust. Yeah, I mean, England at least are taking it seriously. From what I understand, they're taking their chef. But the only one that matters to the Western world, I'm sorry. It's the Ashes. It's dead now. And if you're old like me, it's time to let it go. And you know what? I don't know if I'm going to stop complaining about it because I love Test Cricket. But it's over now. It's over now. And the world is cyclical. Maybe Test Cricket will come back. But now, now they're taking the piss. And I'm not doing it. I'm not, like, I'm out. I'm out now. I'm just going to watch the Ashes. I've got uh, Crick Info on my phone. I'm not watching two match test series anymore. I'm not watching anything less than five match uh, test series. I'm, I'm, I'm just not investing. It's not the real McCoy. Of all the formats, by the way, test cricket is the one where you can't scam us. We're old, sophisticated consumers. Young people watch T20 and, and, SA2 and um, 50 of cricket. You can scan them, not me. Like, piss off. Get out of here. <laughs> You're not scamming me. So, it's over, right? It's over. Like, like, like now, SA Cricket and the ICC have shown me. It's over. Like, they do not care about Test Cricket. Cool. Am I still going to watch cricket? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know. Because as fun as, SA twi- uh, as, as T20 Cricket is and One Day Cricket is, like, I know what the real thing is. Am I just going to be waiting for the Ashes now? It's not impossible. Like, I've got lots of other options, hey. One thing cricket must know is I've got I've got options. And some people will say, yeah, whatever, we love cricket too much. We're just going to keep watching T20. I don't know how many viewers they're going to lose, but people have options now. There's Netflix now. There's there's Disney Plus now. There's there's music concerts now. There's, DVD, there's DVDs getting released now. There's There's all sorts of things, guys. I mean, obviously, it's 2024. You're not actually going to watch. You're, you're not going to actually use a DVD, but you, you get my point. There's comedy specials out now. People have options now, dude. People with money have options. Like, I'm not... I, I'm sorry. I will... I probably... Let me tell you how much of a hardcore fan I am. I lived in Cape Town for three years. I can't remember how many test matches there were. I went to every single day of every single test match that was in Cape Town while I lived in Cape Town. You've got to understand, that's like... Six or seven test matches, by the way, in a three-year span at that time. I love test cricket. I'm not watching any series. I'll check on Cricket Info because I, I I love cricket. I'm 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 addicted to cricket. I'll check on Cricket Info, and you know what? I'll I'll be honest. I'll probably end up watching SA Twenty just because I was involved last year, um, and I'll watch it. Like I I love cricket, but I'm not doing this again. Like don't take the Mickey. This was a piss take. It's complete another piss take. Nothing about this field series. Two match test series. Are you kidding me? Hated every moment of it. I went to uh, the first test. And I went to the pink day as well. Like, just nothing about the series felt serious. No build-up. No marketing. Disgusting. And don't blame the players, by the way. Don't blame the players. Usman Kawaja came out and said he heard what some people are getting paid to, to play test cricket. He says, I wouldn't play test cricket either if I got paid that. 
He discussed it with our other players, opening batsman for Australia, Usman Kawaja. Said he spoke to other guys. He said, listen, if I was getting paid what these other guys are getting paid to play test cricket, I also wouldn't play test cricket. I mean, now, Usman Kawaja, not sure you could play any other format. <laughs> if ever there was a specialist test cricketer, it's Usman. Usman Kawaja, mate. But he's right. It's all about the money. It's always about the money. And if T20 is what it's going to pay the players, let's just do that. Why are we, why are we giving diluted, a deracinated product? Why are we diluting ODI and Test Cricket? Just cancel it and just play T20 Cricket the whole time. It'll be painful. Us old people will whinge. But it is the reality. It's as simple as that. Don't and but don't blame the players. Because I do not blame the players. They must go and get their money. Get your money. It is always about the money. Get the money. I don't blame players. I'm not big on loyalty. I'm not big on that word. I I, I don't like it. It's ideal if it exists, but I'm not big on that, particularly when there's money involved. There is no loyalty, right? Uh, you know, so my mom worked in geopolitics and she, she gave me a great saying years ago. She said, there are no friends in geopolitics, only interests. I'll never forget those words. There are no friends in geopolitics, only interests. There is no loyalty in sport, only interests. Trust me, I did, the, I did this for a living for six years. I played, they will tolerate you until they can replace you. Players must get their money. I do not blame the players. I blame the ICC and I blame all of the... And it's, you know, it's not greed. It's business. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I like, I'm emotional about it because I like test cricket. I love test cricket. In fact, it's my, fa- it's my second favorite sport after football in the world. But I've got options. And if you're going to take the piss, I'm out of here. Like, I've got test rugby to watch as well. Just remember that. I watch the NFL. I watch, like... It's Super Bowl season now. Just so you know. It's playoff season in the NFL. Like, I'm watching that. That's the second greatest league in the world. Don't blame the players. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires on the socials. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. Electronic map. Your thoughts on the test match. Your thoughts on test cricket. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right, let's finish off on this. Um, quick one. Listen, I said it before. Just fire Eddie Howe, right? If you're a Newcastle fan, they lost 4-2 against uh, Liverpool. But it never felt close. And cut the nonsense. I do not... What I don't want to hear is injuries. Don't give, don't give me that. Don't give me that. Everyone's injured. When there's injuries, can you coach? Because Kevin De Bruyne has been out for Man City, by the way. I don't hear Pep Guardiola whinging. Right? Jurgen Klopp's just turned over a whole squad. I, I didn't hear whinging. He's getting on with it and he's they, they're in the league race. I don't want to hear I do not want to hear the injury one. Chelsea have not had their full squad this season. They they're gonna be in the League Cup final. True story. 
So if you're Newcastle, just fire Eddie Howe now. Let Hansi Flick have a look at his squad now so that he knows how to reboot. Because the season's over now. So give Hansi Flick five, five months, right? Let him have a look at what's left. And then he'll, he can upgrade in the summer. Now, now it's too late. Like, it's, it's almost too late. But it's, it, as my mother used to say to me, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's too late now to save the season. But it's not too late to bring Hansi Flick and his technical team in now and let them settle so that they aren't settling, settling over summer. Let him come and settle in England now. It doesn't matter how they perform the rest of the season. Because all he's doing is a bit of R&D, right? Like, okay, he can stay, he can stay. That's not going to work. Uh, our technical team, that has changed. Training facilities, that has changed. Because as we know with Newcastle, money is not a limitation. That, that's not going to be the problem. FFP might be in terms of transfers. But Hansi Flick might come in and say, mm, at Bayern Munich, maybe you've heard of them, we had this, that, the other. Diet was this, that, the other. Uh, and the training needs to be this, that, the other. You don't need to be finding that out when players are on holiday. You can do that now. Find out who your leaders are. Find out who the guys that are on board are. So that the rat, you can push the rats into the sea come into season. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to wait for Eddie Howe, and then it's a whole conversation, a distraction. And he's hit his limit. This is the limit. We know what Eddie Howe is. Like, we know what Eddie Howe is. No, nobody's shocked at this. We saw what happened with Bournemouth in the second season. And here's the other thing. Amanda Stavely, you said we want to win the Premier League and the Champions League with Newcastle. You're not doing that with Eddie Howe, as you saw this year. Get him out. What are you waiting for? Like, no, nobody's going to go, oh, you're unreasonable. Like, it's clear. He was needed for that phase, right? You got rid of Steve Bruce. You put it Eddie Howe. Okay, that's step two or phase one. Okay, but we have to go to phase two now. And actually, you should have fired him after he made the Champions League. People say, oh, but no. But no, no, no. The plan was... We know what phase he's for. Phase one, get into the Champions League. Okay, great. We've done that. We're in the Champions League. Now we need a Champions League manager. What are we doing? Because the, the laziest... I'll tell you what people are going to say. Yeah, It took Jurgen Klopp five years. And it's taken Mikel Arteta four years to get Arsenal where they are, right? He's in year five now. Um, Eddie Howe he couldn't lace the boots as coaches of Jurgen Klopp or Mikel Arteta. Like, Mikel Arteta is viewed as a like football savant. Like, Eddie Howe is just a better-looking version of Sean Dyke, really. He plays, he plays nicer football, sure. But he's closer to Ange Postacoglu than he is. I mean, Mikel Arteta is, is a genius. Like, He's a leader of men, a captain, wherever he went. Like, he's a genius. He's a, he's a wunderkind coach, right? He, he's viewed as sort of a, the, the, like Arsenal feel like the prodigal son has come home. Like, Mikel Arteta is viewed in football circles as that guy. He's there, nobody. No, there, there is nobody anywhere who has ever said Eddie Howe is like this precocious coaching talent that if you give him a chance, I wouldn't be shocked if he went and coached England. Like, that's where he belongs. He's a Bournemouth, you know, Everton-y, like that level. Because he's out of tricks now. The, the thing about this level is, 
after a season, the second season, they've, the, the analysis is too good. They've got the tape now. And, like, that's all he's got. Eddie Howe is probably England's next manager. That's what I'd do if I was him. Like, that's a sweet, cushy job. I mean, Gareth Southgate, who's a horrendous manager, has kept that, what, for 12 years? What are Newcastle doing? Just fire the guy. Like, what in the... What in the tune is going on? Because nobody's going to say, oh, oh, Newcastle are unstable. It's like, no, no, no. The football fraternity knows what's going on here. He he was done with phase one. We're done with phase one now. It's big boy time now. And even then, it it might even be too early for Hansi Flick, to be honest with you. There might be another step needed. Do you know who you could get? I mean, it'll be tricky to see if you can get him out of, I think he's in Saudi Arabia or Qatar or whatever. But but Man City might be the guy to get. Because remember when Man City, they went Mark Hughes, right? Then they went Mancini. Then they went Pellegrini. And now, well, it's, Pe- it's Pepe Clark. Like, Mancini might be the guy to just say, guys, can we get serious around here? Because the thing about Eddie Howe, it all feels fun and easy. He's English. Come on, Eddie. Like, cut the rubbish. Like, Man City after two seasons said, okay, Mark, appreciate you. You're going to need to get out of here. Because here's the thing, right? Let's just say, hypothetically, they go and get Joshua Kimmich. I mean, this won't happen, but I'm just saying. People just presume Eddie Howe could go and get... And you saw this with Robinho, by the way, with Mark Hughes. At Man City. Uh, let's just say they get Joshua Kimmich and uh, Kylian Mbappe. He'll be a free agent. Let's say Newcastle get Joshua Kimmich, Goretzka, Ade, Adeyemi and Kylian Mbappe at the end of the season. Do you think Eddie Howe is the guy that's going to be ensuring that these guys stay in line? There's a reason why the dynasties, there's only really been four dynastic managers in English Premier League history. Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp is not in that conversation. He has one title. But when we talk about dynasties, there's Pep Guardiola, there's Sir Alex Ferguson, there's Jose Mourinho, and there's Arsene Wenger. It takes a certain type of man <laughs> to wrangle those egos. You, you think it's a dream having Balak and... Do, do you remember when Drogba and Balak were arguing over a free kick? I'll never forget that as a Chelsea fan. And then there's Ashley Cole and there's John Terry sleeping with Wayne Bridges' wife. There's Branislav Ivanovic. There's Peter Cech. These are all... Leaders men. There's Thierry Henry. There's Freddie Leonberg. There's there's Robert Perez. There's Sylvan Wiltord. There's Colo Torre. There's Sol Campbell. There's there's David Seaman. There's Lee Dixon. These are the kinds of men you're dealing with. Loran. Like these are men. These are grown men. There's Cristiano Ronaldo. There's Carlitos Tevez. You think Kylian Mbappe cares what what's Eddie Howe gonna tell them? But when Hansi Flick goes, my man, I've been winning trebles. I've got a treble at Bayern Munich. Maybe you've heard of that. Champions League. Uh, Killian, have you heard of that competition? Because you can win it, by the way. You're allowed to win it. But here's how we roll around here. Hansi Flick had it on lock with Iron Robin. You know, Joshua Kimmich. The, the, we're talking about Philippe Lam. The, these are men he's worked with. We're talking about institutional names here icons of the game globally historically 
what Eddie is going to be. What's Eddie going to say? I, I bought Solanke at Bournemouth. Didn't work out early on. Oh, what? Get him out. It's insane to me. It's, a, it's absolutely insane to me. And I don't even support Newcastle. But I'm watching and I'm like, what are we doing? And then I hear Newcastle fans going, you've got to give him a chance. To do what? To do what? Because you're going to come 10th now. And now you... Hey, listen. What happens if Bruno Gamari says, hmm, Aston Villa, you say? Because Aston Villa have two billionaires as the owners, by the way. They have one of the biggest stadiums in England. They have no debt. Right? They're a massive club in the second city. What happens if they make the Champions League? And Bruno Gumari says, oh, okay, look here. I want to play in the Champions League. I've tasted that. Because here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Three months into next season, you're going to have to fire Eddie Howe anyway. Because it's not going to change. I like Harvey Barnes. But he's not Arjen Robin. <laughs> you know, you're not getting Wayne Rooney. It's not like Harvey Barnes comes in and he secures you 15 points. You know, like Wayne Rooney was the difference. He, he would swing games on his own at his peak. Robin Van Persie at his peak. Ruud Van Nistelrooy at his peak. These, these are people that were turning games single-handedly. Roy Keane on his own was turning games. Kevin De Bruyne on his own is turning football games. We're not talking about Erling Brown Holland here. You, your injuries are Harvey Barnes. And I and those who listen to this, I like a hug the touchline winger. So I like that kind of blur. But who's he missing? It, it is, there's no Leo Messi coming to save him. Who's he going to sign at the end of the year? If you're a Newcastle fan, tell me, who are Newcastle signing that you go, oh, okay, in year three it'll be different? Because it's not like he didn't have Sven Botman this season. He, he's got the proper guys now. Like his core quality guys are not injured. So give him a chance to do what? I, I, it's mental. It's completely bloody mental. I'd love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires on the socials. All right, let's finish off with the mailbag. Um, if you want to get into the mailbag, MKT Inspires. Slide in the DMs. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. So, uh, got two questions. Start off with Andile. Good old Ants. Good, good old Andile might have gone to, you know, one of these. So, if you're not South African. By the way, there's people who listen to this podcast in Afghanistan. I don't know how they have their tech. I've never been to Afghanistan. So, I don't, I don't know. Like, I would imagine. I mean, it, it's one of the most historic cities. I do like history. But from what I hear, it just... Doesn't sound like the place to be. Shout out to people in Afghanistan listening to the pod. Uh, if you're in Afghanistan and you you're, you could be Afghan and you just like football, shout out to you. But good old Ndile, who might have gone to a boys' school. So in South Africa, we've got these boys' schools where the Oaks speak like this. And a guy with a... So this guy's name is actually Andile. But because we in the northern suburbs of Joburg, it's like... Good old Andile. And the next level of that, the soft life, as they say, as the youth say. You know when the youth are youthing, they say, living the soft life. Don't know if they still say that because I'm old. But good old Andile. Or Ant. Ant says, 
Good morning, MKT. Your love for test cricket being as professed as it is, do you feel that the long version of the game is in danger of dying out? How long can the ICC keep three formats up, given that T20 leagues worldwide seem to be getting preference over test series? Test cricket not making money in con- test cricket is not making money in countries other than Australia, England, India, and South Africa, and the emergence of T20 specialist players. I thought ODIs were the format at risk based on the history of Test cricket and the marquee series such as the Ashes keeping it alive. But after SA decided to send a shadow side to New Zealand, empty stands in the West Indies earlier in 2023, and matches ending in less than three days more often, I'm now not so sure. And I think he makes some great points. And I've covered one of the things. The thing about Test cricket, the reason why Test cricket is lasting far too short, is that cricket's not producing specialists anymore. Right? It's not producing specialists anymore. The the marquee guy in world cricket right now, and I'm not as hot as everybody else on him, but it's maybe a podcast, is is, um, Virat Kohli, right? And you even saw this with A.B. de Villiers, right? Because A.B. wasn't actually a test player. He was just so super talented, right? But with Virat Kohli, he's still not actually a classic test four, in my opinion. Like, there isn't that feeling with him that I get from having had Raul Javid that I don't see Virat Kohli batting two days. He's more interested in going at four and a half and over. And and whatever, that's fine, right? But we are producing now T20 have a dash guys. And and that's fine. That's fine. By the way, it's it's, it's the incentive. People respond to incentives. So I think the reason why... I just want to address that part first. The reason why test matches are shorter and shorter is that you'd no longer have top order batsmen, middle order batsmen, lower middle order batsmen, lower order batsmen... And maybe an all-rounder here and there, and and then the tail, because usually in Test cricket we used to have what they call a six-four split. So Australia used to play six batsmen, and they are just there to bat. Your number six was Damian Martin, who did, he's not bowling. Steve Waugh was batting six at a stage. Alan Border at a stage was batting six. Right. Ashwell Prince was batting six. By the way, this, this is the this is when cricket was cricket, in my opinion, or Test cricket was Test cricket. Those are specialist batsmen. So your top three are your top order batsmen. Four, five, six, middle order. So everybody there has a role. That top three must grind out the the, the new ball. The middle order should flourish and the lower middle order uh, to lower order should certainly be the cream on top of the cake, not the cake itself. And if needed, Every now and then, rescue. Now, Australia were unique. Damien Martin basically averaging 50. Okay, that was that was the exception, not the rule. But you still want your number six averaging somewhere between 40 and 50. And even then, his role is clearly defined. He, Your number six in test cricket must be able to make you a test 100 and build the test innings or bat with the tail to make 150. That's a skill. They, they call it guiding the tail, right? So... So you've, you've got to be very, very clear that in T20 cricket, it doesn't matter where you bat. Just have a bash. 
you don't have to build an innings. Just like have a full go. Who, who cares? And test cricket is very different. It needs specialists. No other format needs that. So less and less specialists are being produced. So it, of course the test matches don't last long enough because the high schools are playing T20 cricket now. Guys are reverse sweeping the first ball. Leaving is, you, you know, if you're young and you listen to this and I say leaving on a length, not a thing anymore. Didn't see it once in the series. Leaving on a length. Skill. And in terms of the three formats, just give it up. Like, let's just play T20. It's fine. We don't need to have diluted versions of cricket with ODI. So, and Dile, I'm with you, brother. I love test cricket, but but I have to accept that it's over. It's fine. Like, it, it is fine. I don't need to have it my way. Am I sad? Yes. But it's fine. It's over. Like, <laughs> sorry. You know, I'm, I'm an extremely liberal, some might say, sort of Marxist-leaning um, idealist. You know, I'm not utopian, though. Like, we live in a capitalist society. Somebody has to pay for stuff. And T20 is the least amount of work for the most amount of money. It's called capitalism. Work smart, not hard. That's what players are telling you. It's over. I, I, listen, I'm a businessman. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a small business owner. Like, I'm not an idiot. I'm stupid, but I'm not an idiot. Like, I may be stupid, but I'm not an idiot. I understand the dynamics of what's going on here. It is all about the money, and I get it, and I'm, I'm sad about it. So, and Dile, I think Test Cricket, outside of the ashes, needs to go. Who cares about anything else? Like, economically, like, who cares? And we'll continue to see shorter and shorter Test matches, purely because the players are no longer mentally and technically good enough. Because you, you, you can't say a guy like Tristan Stubbs, oh, he's got tremendous talent, but he's all he's ever done is swing for the fences and he's and Devil Brevis, uh, the, these are the guys that are coming, and then ask him to bat for two days. Like, when he's 23, you want to teach him to bat for two days? Like, no. No, you know, you've got to start these guys at eight, nine years old. And it's cool. It's over. That's fine. That's fine. Let's just build global T20 leagues and and make as much money as possible. I see no I see no problem with that. Again, I don't I don't like it, but we're there anyway. Those are my thoughts there, and Dili. Um, one more. This one was on the tweet monster. Good old Zafeta. Was Zafeta? But um, it's Z A. P-H-E-T-H-A. You know, if the Oaks are English, they're going to say, oh, is that Zafeta? Zafs, I would imagine. Um, Good old Zafeta says, uh, MKT is a two-day test match, a matter of good bowling, attacks, bad uh, batting, or or a terrible patch, maybe uh, a pitch, sorry, maybe a combination of the three. I'll answer it this way. It's a, for me, Having seen, there's different ways, right? There's like, oh my goodness, like this pitch is unplayable. That, that Newlands pitch wasn't unplayable. There were there was a hundred made by Ed Markham when he batted properly. The only person who batted properly the whole Test match. It's technical incompetence. 
The only two people that were technically competent to navigate a difficult pitch were Virat Kohli and Aidan Markham. Right? And as embarrassing and as disgusting as it was, that's just what it is. And then Dean Elder. We saw what he did in the first test match. So that just is what it is. It just is like there wasn't the technical competence. Tazorzi is not good enough. Stubbs isn't good enough. Beddingham, it's asking too much. Um, Varen, like, get out of here. Applications are skill, by the way, in batting. None of these young guys know how to apply themselves. It's not a criticism to them. They've been brought up in T20 culture. Don't blame them. So it's not a bad pitch. It's not great bowling. It's poorly developed batsmen. Because batting is the hardest skill, by the way. Remember, a bowler has six chances to get you out. A batsman only has one chance. You must remember, it only takes one ball to get you out. A bowler has six chances. It wasn't good bowling. I'm sorry. I've watched I've watched over and over and watched the wickets over and over. There's so much of chasing it. There's so much of not leaving on length. There's so much of not being able to play swing out the hand versus movement off the deck. Like these are all skills that you used to used to see Said Anwar, Amir Sohail. These are like if you know these names, you used to see people do this and frustrate people. You know? We used to see the great Michael Slater, Ricky Ponting. We used to see this Matthew Hayden, Justin Langer. We see Gary Kirsten grind people down. Raul Dravid, he was sensational, like just grinding you down, leaving on length. Playing, playing, playing different types of swing differently. Reading it out of the hand versus off the pitch. Analyzing what a pitch was doing. So I would say it's not, it wasn't world-class bowling. And and these aren't horrendous pitches. These are, on both sides, two teams that are technically inept at test level. And when I say test level, it is, it's just incredible to me. It's incredible how many court behinds there are. Like, just leave the ball. Like, I'm just having a look at the scorecard here. It's just, it's all caught, right? Caught behind, caught behind. Tristan Stubbs, caught behind. Bellingham, caught behind. Off Siraj. Caught. Caught. It's all like caught. You know? Guys, we've got to be able to call it out. It's got nothing to do with the pitch. I mean, the pitch was tricky, but it's not this tricky. Can we have some application? Like India losing six wickets for no runs. Like, what are we doing? Can nobody just... Do you remember when um, JP Dumini and Faf Duplessis and AB blocked, like, basically for two days to win that test series in Australia? Graham Smith came out of the broken hand, blocked, like, four overs. VVS Luxman. I mean, I'm now going through names where these are legends of the game. And I don't want to romanticize these guys. But if you don't have the technical makeup, I'm sorry. 
Technique doesn't matter in T20 cricket because the pitches are so flat. So I've given a very long answer to it's got nothing to do with the pitch or the bowling. It's all about horrendous, horrendous, horrendously coached batsmen that are not up to the task of building a test. You've got five days, by the way. You're allowed to bat for three days. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. To have the discipline to leave a wide half volley is a skill. And none of these guys had it. Go, go and watch the dismissals again. 80% of those wickets are completely avoidable by just having the discipline of leaving the ball alone. And listen, every now and then, I don't want to be that guy that goes, oh, it's just that. Every now and then. But it's so rare. It is so rare to have that one delivery that's just like, Phew. Garfield Sobers couldn't have played that. Like, sorry. Like, Carl Hooper couldn't have played that. Gary Kirsten, even he couldn't have played that. Alan Border, forget it. So Garfield Sobers, forget it. For, like, even, even he couldn't have done anything there. Brian Lara, even he would have nicked it. Okay, but that is so rare. Do you know, do you know how few deliveries are, are absolutely unplayable? Like, absolutely unplayable. They're so rare. If you're technically, there's a reason why the the same batsmen make runs over and over, right? Like, oh, why do other people go out? But this guy just seems to navigate his way, and before you know it, he's on 79 runs. He's on 103. It's always the same, right? It's always the same suspect. It's because they've got the skill, and the most important one in Test cricket is discipline. You've got to you've got to be in this order. Technically, you've got to be good enough, but then you've got to be disciplined enough to leave in Test cricket. There's just there's too many opportunities with bowlers, and they're just too good, right? You've got to have the discipline, especially in your first ninety deliveries that you're facing. You've got to have the discipline to leave. And now players want to feel bad on ball. The greatest skill in cricket is leaving on length. I'll, I'll argue that with anybody. The greatest skill a batsman can have in test cricket is the ability to judge and know where your stumps are behind you so you can leave on line. But the more difficult one is, oh, this one's going over. Oh, this one's, this one's swinging big time out the hand. Even if it is on middle and, middle and off, it's going past off stump. I don't need to play it. I, don't, I can drop my gloves. How many times are you seeing guys getting strangled down leg now? That's a technique, by the way. Dropping your gloves is a technique. You saw Virat Kohli in that first test match, dropping his gloves. I thought it was sublime the way Virat Kohli played in that second innings um, at Centurion. Ensuring, because he saw the, the pitch was bouncing, he was dropping his gloves. It's superb. It's a superb skill to have the discipline not to chase it or to defend with your hands. They call it, in cricket, you call it defending with your hands. You don't need to. You sway out the way. And as it leaves the pitch, you drop your hands. Drop your hands. Make sure in, in Australia and South Africa, make sure to drop your hands. Like all young batsmen, we were all taught at academy cricket, drop your hands. Drop your hands. If you're going to leave, drop your hands. Do not leave your gloves there for the ball to, to nick your glove and go through to the keeper. Drop your hands. You saw it with Virat Kohli. If you haven't seen it, go and rewatch the second innings of the first test match. I was there. It was a magnificent. It was a masterclass. He's a terrific player, as Virat Kohli. But even he's not really 
He's not Raul Dravid, you know? I don't feel like he's going to build a three-day... He's not going to rescue a test match over two days. Like, it's just not going to happen. Maybe in India, but certainly not in Australia, not in England. Not, not, not in South Africa. It's just, he's not going to do it. Steve Smith is the last guy. Steve Smith, Manus Labuschagne, uh, Dean Elgar's just retired. I don't think uh, Dean Elgar is... Uh, Dean Elgar's maybe... He, he's good, but he's not, he's not those guys. Like, Alistair Cook. I mean, do I need to say his name now? Alistair Cook. Oh, my goodness. Sir Alistair Cook. You knew what time it was. With him, if you're batting three, Kevin Peterson, you just put your feet up. Because you're not batting until the third session. The other guys will go out, not him. Oh, what a player. What a player. Sir Alistair. What a guy. That's that guy. now. You know, guys, his job is I'm batting eight sessions here, guys. Whatever you guys do, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm batting eight sessions. Can you guys can you guys make 250 around me? Gary Kirsten, guys, can you make 250 around me? That's all I'm asking. Just make 250, guys. I got it from here. I'm going to make 90 or 300 balls. Can you guys do the rest? Because I'm giving you tired bowlers. Demoralized bowlers. It's a dying skill. Dean Elgar, he's retired. Uh, he's the poor man's Gary Kirsten. I think a very good career, Dean Elgar. Um, but yeah, that's how I would say. Incompetent batting is where I would uh, put it there. Zafeta. All right, my God, this has been um, nearly a whole football match of podcasting. 2024, we're underway. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. Uh, this has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.